taking you on a journey for the pursuit of PPC. Welcome to PPC Rockstars. Get ready to rumble through the latest PPC news and views from around the blogosphere. Learn from our host and the PPC pros that will take you to the promised land of PPC profit. We're cashing in the clicks with the PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. Hey, PPC friends. Yes, it's another episode of PPC Rockstars. On a very special day and a very special guest. Special day because it's my middle daughter's birthday. Hi, Fran. Hey, David. Congratulations <laughs> on the, your daughter's birthday. Thank you. And that familiar voice is Frederic Valles. And he is with us again to share deep, deep knowledge. Uh, this time we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Sidebar Geddon, which is the... Uh, the removal of ads from the sidebar on the right-hand side of the cert page, and we will segue into a very good discussion about quality score. So, Frederic, why don't you kick it off with your thoughts about um, sidebar getting, as we're saying? Yeah, and I don't even know if it's really sidebar getting. It's uh, more like yet another tweak in the long-running list of uh, the changes that Google has made. And it's actually interesting because people talk about this whole thing as a very new concept, but um, I was actually on the Google team, I think it was more than eight years ago at this point when we first experimented with showing ads at the bottom of the page. And we actually found at the time that they had a much better click-through rate than ads on the right-hand side. Hmm. Um, but we could never convince advertisers that that was true. Right, and it's, it's kind of weird because we're in such a measurable space, and the numbers told the whole story. But people are like, "Well, okay, fine, they have better CTR, but I don't like my ad showing at the bottom. I want them to show on the right hand side because visually they they're above the fold." Uh, my gut says they should be doing better mm-hmm. uh, when the numbers actually told a different story. So eight years ago, we just didn't want to have that battle and uh, convince people of something that they didn't believe in. So uh, we rolled it back and it looks like now Google has actually uh, kind of said, well, we're going to make this happen no matter whether you like it or not. <laughs> Fascinating. Now, back then, eight years ago, there weren't any ads on top, right? There, there actually were. And so, you know, I, I may get my timings off a little bit here or there. but So we had ads at the top, we had ads on the right-hand side. And so at the time, the thinking was not to remove the ads on the right-hand side. It was just mm-hmm to put more ads on the page. So we were going to have positions one and two at the top. Can't remember if we had three at the top at the time. And then we were going to have uh, the next couple of positions we're going to be showing on the bottom of the page. Mm-hmm. So like four or five would be, or three, four uh-huh. would be at the bottom. And then five, six, seven, et cetera, would be on the right-hand side. And that's actually what people had an issue with. They said, well, no, number three and four should be the first ones on the right-hand side. Because kind of visually above the fold, they show up before the ones at the bottom, even though we knew the ones at the bottom would perform better than the ones on the right side. Um, And and that's sort of the other reason why I think it's not such such, uh, a sidebar getting because honestly, the ads on the right-hand side, like I've not seen them do a whole lot of good for advertisers who use Mm -hmm. them. I mean, the CTRs are just so weak compared to what you see on the top. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost like, okay, well, if you wanted to fight over table scraps, great, go in and fight that fight. But if you're really serious about PPC, you should have been fighting for those positions that would show up high on the page on mobile devices, that would have shown up above the search results on desktop. Uh, and now Google has just said, well, you, everybody has to do this. So, that, yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, when you take uh, into consideration the strength of the bottom ads. 
it also calls into question some of the studies that I've seen, or I, I won't call it studies because I don't think anybody's done a controlled experiment yet. I think it's all just um, companies like Acquisio and people like um, Kirk Williams analyzed their data and uh, just drew some conclusions based on what they saw for their own clients. I'm going to have to go back and read those or maybe uh, devote, devote a whole show to that. Yeah, no, I think that'd be really interesting. And so from my perspective, I've, I've also, I haven't run a controlled study or experiment on this, but if I look at some of my data with an optimizer um, and some of the data that I prospect, for example, had shared at the time that this change happened, um, it's not uncommon to see CTRs of more than 10x better on the top ads than on the right-hand side ads. Mm-hmm. So if you run a little bit of simple math, you can actually calculate what the net change in available clicks would be um, from removing the ads on the right-hand side. And then if you make a small assumption that says the ads at the bottom would perform uh, just as poorly as the ones on the right-hand side used to, mm-hmm. um, you you actually don't see a huge decline in the overall clicks available. But if you now account for one new ad showing up at the top of the page, which had a 10x better CTR, that in itself already makes more clicks available in the whole ecosystem of AdWords. And now if you take the other assumption, like we actually saw when we, we, when we ran the experiments with Google, the bottom ads have a better CTR than the ones on the right-hand side. Well, all of a sudden, in my estimation, it's like 18% more clicks are now available in the ecosystem with absolutely nothing the advertisers have to do. Now, obviously, this is assuming that you're one of these advertisers who's got a position that's high enough to qualify you for the first page of search results. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think Google probably dialed back some thresholds to make sure that there's not a, a, a huge influx of 18% more clicks from one day to the next. But I think it sets up the ecosystem to, uh, you know, to allow Google to slowly dial it up and, and make these 18% of new clicks available to advertisers. So personally, I'm super excited about this. I think it's a great thing for advertisers. I think it makes them focus on the right things, which is you have to have a really good position. You can't just be fighting for table scraps. And number two, there's more clicks available in AdWords. So even if there's more competition coming in, uh, there's a bigger pie for us to all share. So that's for, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, I agree with you, definitely. Um, so top position, 10x CTR, is that what you said? Yeah, so ads above the search results, we typically see more than 10x the CTR of those same ads on the right-hand side. Okay. So this is um, one of the things that... Uh, is in high relief here is the fact that uh, quality score may be even more important than it had been. Yeah, exactly. And so my whole perspective on that is, you know, there are now fewer ads on the page. So if you were, you know, if, if you've just fallen off page number one, you have two levers that you can pull to get back to page number one, or you have two levers that you can use to get to the top of the, the page above the search results. And those mm-hmm. levers, as always, they have not changed, but it's cost per click, how much you're willing to spend, and your quality score component. Those are the two main things that go into how Google determines the ad rank. And so, I mean, assuming for a second that you don't want to spend more money on these clicks, quality score really does become the big lever that you can pull. And so, um, you know, this is something that good advertisers have been optimizing towards for a long time, but now even those that haven't maybe paid enough attention to quality score uh, may have a renewed incentive to to really take a look at that. Gotcha. 
Let's uh, say a few words about quality score. I think lately there have been some new uh, new voices or old voices saying new things about quality score. And I'm thinking about Brad Geddes, for example, presentations he's giving now at conferences and um, a couple of articles he's re- uh, wrote, written. Have you yeah. read those? Well, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. So he used to write a lot for Search Engine Land, and then mm-hmm. uh, I think he'd written about as much as he could, and he disappeared for a while. Yep. And then just last month, he popped back up with a really interesting post on quality score. Yeah. And so I, I, of course, took a huge interest in that because quality score is one of the original tools that we built in Optimizer. And what he had done what that I thought was really fascinating was he put together the weighting of the three subcomponents of quality score. So... Um, obviously, we've all seen inside of the AdWords interface, if you hover over the little speech bubble next to a keyword, it will tell you the three subcomponents of quality score. Uh, and these three subcomponents add relevance, uh, landing page experience, and expected click-through rate. And he figured out the weighting of these, and he said that uh, it's roughly 39% for the expected CTR, 39% for the landing page component, and the remaining 22% goes to the ad relevance components. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, the formula is not 100% accurate. It's, uh, you know, you still have to kind of round up and round down, but it's, it actually works quite well if you run it across most accounts. Now, I thought it was interesting. I, I do have some reservations about that. And, you know, I also took that, uh, the, 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 the fact that these subcomponents are now available uh, actually in API tools, so, uh, so tools like Optimizer are now leveraging that additional level of data mm-hmm. in the reports that we have, and we can actually do some really interesting things with that. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, th- I think we should um, go to even deeper on this when we get back from these very important messages from our sponsors. So, uh, Fred, please hold on. Listeners, you too. PPC Rockstars. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Conversion Conference, the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas, May 18th and 19th, for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. 
Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on. Interact with expert speakers at informal networking events and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th, Conversion Conference last year sold out fast, and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. And we are back with special guest Frederic Valles, a former Google evangelist and presently the CEO of, of a software company called Optimizer, which you should pay attention to. Um, but let's go back to the quality score discussion. Um, interested in... Uh, your view of the breakdown of the various components of quality score. Yeah, exactly. So uh, and it goes back to what we just said. So Brad Geddes came out with this analysis. He's assigned a weight to each of the three components of quality score, and it helps you figure out. So if I have a certain uh, landing page relevance, is it better than average, worse than average? It helps you figure out what your quality score number um, at the keyword level would be. Now, one basic issue that I have with the number 1 through 10 for quality score um, is that a lot of people just misconstrue what that means. And so let me give you a very simple example, and I'll ask you a question, David. But David, if you have a quality score 10 keyword, do you think there are no more efficiencies to get out of that keyword in terms of a better, uh, a lower CPC? Do you think your work is all done? Well, that's a very good question. Is it true that a keyword can have a 10 quality score but still rank below the top position or even below the top four? Yes, I would argue that that could be true. You could have um, a very competitive space where all advertisers are doing an amazing job and you could still not have the top position with a quality score 10 keyword. Hmm, okay. There, I, I guess I would say that there aren't any improvements you could make in the top factors but you can bid higher. Um, you could increase your CTR even if it's even if it's uh, contributing to a ten. Exactly, and that's quality the thing, score. right? Mm-hmm. Remember back in the day when quality score was not called quality score, but quality score was called CTR. Yes. <laughs> well, by and large, that is still the case today, right? Just think for a moment, and so let's let's go on a different track here. But think about a moment how Google makes money. Um, yeah. Google is a publisher. They, they operate a search engine, but in a way, they're a publisher, just like New York Times has a website, they're a publisher. They sell advertising. Now, most publishers sell advertising on a cost-per-impression basis. Historically, they have. And, and that's nice because if, as a publisher, you double the number of people who interact with your website, you're probably going to make twice as much money because you sell twice as many ad units at roughly the, the same amount of CPM, right? So you are in control. You can double the number of people using your business. You're going to double your revenue. That's a nice position for uh, for businesses to be in, for publishers to be in. Now, Google is no different, but Google operates on a CPC basis. But what people forget is the way that Google ranks ads is actually 
cost per impression, CPM. <laughs> because if you multiply CTR by CPC, you know, just take a piece of paper and do the math for yourself and write down, you know, what's the equation. So CPC is cost over clicks, CTR is clicks over impressions. Well, boom, you, you cancel out the clicks in the equation and you get cost per impression. <laughs> that is how Google ranks ads. So they have a very strong incentive to give you a discount, a break on the price if you improve your CTR. And so what people tend to forget when they look at a quality score number of 1 to 10 is that this is merely a representation of somewhere on the spectrum that you lie. So, um, And if you look at the subcomponents, well, the subcomponents don't even go to the level of 1 through 10. They just say below average, average, or above mm -hmm. average. So there's mm -hmm. three levels, right? And these levels are just representations. But if they say, well, you're above average, does that mean you're perfect? No, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're better than the average. That's it. The same with a 10. The 10 means you're strongly better than the average, but you're still not perfect. So there's still this opportunity for people to, to keep improving. You know, you, your quality score number is never going to go from a 10 to an 11. That's not going to happen. But your CTR will go up. And if your CTR goes up, well, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, you could still rise above your competitor who also had a quality score of 10 um, and who was outranking you. Or maybe you're already the best ad on the page. You already have the best position. But now your CPC starts getting discounted because your CTR went up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, so, and, and then the other thing that people kind of misconstrue is they think if I go from a quality score of two to a quality score of a four, I have just doubled my quality score. Mm -hmm. Well, if you believe that, then it would also mean that you would only have to pay half as much for that position. Um, and that's not true. Right, so the, 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 the it's a much more complex system, and so the one through ten is just a representation um, of somewhere on the spectrum. It is not linear, right? And to going from a two to a four is not doubling your quality score. It's just going from one number to another number, mm -hmm. and so that's why people have to be very careful when they when they start focusing too much on the one through ten, the average, below average, etc. And, and really, uh, in my opinion, when I look at accounts. Focus on improving CTR because that's what makes money for Google. That's why they give you, as an advertiser, a discount. And that's the real lever that you have to make your account more successful. Right. And coincidentally, it's a, it's a vote by uh, real people uh, exactly. as, as to the quality of your ad or the correspondence between the search term and your ad. Exactly. Hey, ju just a small digression. Um, Help us understand uh, the definition of two terms. One of them is account quality score, and the other is visible quality score. Yeah, so the account quality score is a number that Google, um, I don't know if disavows is the correct word for it, but, but Hal Varian, Google's chief economist, uh, has gone on the record and he says there is no such thing as an account level quality score. Hmm. Now, we at Optimizer, we calculate your account level quality score. And um, so there's two camps here, right? Is Hal right or is, Go is, uh, is Optimizer right? Am I right? Yeah. And uh, so at the end of the day, Hal is right in that you could not call up your Google account rep and say, hey, tell me what is my account quality score. That number does not exist in the system, so they can't just tell you what it is. Google happens to not calculate it. However, I think I'm also right because the quality score system is a machine learning system. And so one of the factors that a machine learning system will look at is historically for your account, what, how have you performed? Have you been better than average or worse than average? So how you've done in the past does have some influence 
um, on those numbers that Google comes out with. So what we do for account level quality score is we take an impression weighted quality score average, and that's what we render in the optimizer account. And then that way you can see sort of at a broader level, is your account quality score improving, declining? Um, and it kind of tells you which accounts to focus on if you're an agency, for example, and you have a lot of accounts to work on. It helps you prioritize your work. Uh, we even do the same thing at the campaign and ad group levels so that you could pick out ad groups with declining quality score and really focus on those ones first. Interesting. Okay, how about visible quality score? Is there an invisible quality score? Yeah, so I, I actually don't know exactly what you mean by that one. So It's, it's a term that Brad has used. Uh, that's maybe the only place I've seen it in, in his articles. I mean, what I could imagine that he's talking about is the visible quality score is the quality score number that Google shows you in the account. So it's the, the 1 through 10. Yeah. Um, but there's an invisible quality score number. And, and, and maybe I think that's what he means is it's the 1 through 10 is a representation of some other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you imagine um, a linear curve, uh, on a linear curve, you, you would literally say, well, if my uh, CTR was 1%, maybe my quality score is 1. If I go to a 2%, so I've doubled my, my CTR, my quality score doubles, so it becomes a 2. Um, that, that would be a very simple example. That's not actually how quality score works. It's not linear. But you could imagine drawing some squiggly line on an X and a Y axis. And so at each of these different levels of CTR or quote-unquote quality score, um, that gets assigned to a different bucket, which is the mm-hmm. 1 through 10, the visible quality score. Uh, but the actual underlying thing that Google uses in the auction is slightly different. I get now, you. Uh, and, and there's another layer of complexity that comes on top of that. So Google shows you the 1 through 10 in the account. That's, okay, how to explain this, right? So the, the, the problem nowadays is every user, when they do a search on Google, gets different results. And they mm-hmm. get that because there's user-specific signals that Google looks at. And even if it's not user-specific, it's still context-specific. So mm-hmm. what's the time of day? What location am I coming from? Uh, what additional words am I using in the query? So even if they know nothing about me, all of these other factors go and change what that real-time quality score component is. Um, and a classic example of that is the keyword jobs. Okay, if I happen mm-hmm. to sell... Uh, a book about Steve Jobs, then that's very different than if I have a job search uh, or a career um, marketplace. But Google knows what types of additional words in the query tend to do well for me. So if if two advertisers are both advertising on the keyword jobs, but one of them sells this book and the other sells um, actual work, then Google has some real-time context of that which means that even if I'm selling the book, which maybe not that many people are looking for, it can still show my ad above the the career board when it's more relevant to that user because maybe they look at previous searches the person has done um, and so they understand something about that context. Gotcha. Hey, speaking of jobs, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't segue into words from our sponsors. Hold on, everybody. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. And we are back with our good friend, Frederic Valles, um, talking about quality score. Uh, one last question for me, and that is, uh, according to Brad's most recent article, um, you said 22%. I thought I read 29%, which is the, uh, the, the weight of the landing page factor on overall quality score. I guess this is going to be a two-part question. One is, uh, is that true, or do you believe that it's close? And the second is, uh, I remember sitting with you in a room at Google recording a PPC Rockstars probably eight years ago. And uh, one thing that surprised me and that I took away was that uh, landing page, the landing page factor of quality score is relatively minor and that it, it could not improve quality score. It, it could only hurt quality score if um, any of the components of landing page quality su- uh, were, were sub-average or sub-acceptable. Sorry, long question, but you get it. Yeah, so uh, let's see if I can remember that whole question, but uh, let me start with the the last part. So landing page quality could only be negative on your account. Eight years ago, that was true, and that was because it wasn't originally part of quality score. It was more of a policy thing, Um, and it came from the affiliate days. So back in the day, any search you did on Google, you'd pretty much see half of all the ads were for eBay, and the other half of the ads were all for Amazon. And so Google said, we can't have this, this is not useful for users, so let's have just the highest ranked ad from each domain. That one can go into the auction, okay? It's going to be more variety for users to choose from. So affiliates who had been making a lot of money, they, they didn't like this, so they started setting up uh, thin doorway pages, uh, you know, pages that really had as their only purpose to direct people onto what the affiliate domain was. 
there was also a lot of other spammy stuff happening at the time. You know, uh, to fill out some form, you get a free iPad, but you also had to tell five of your friends and then meet all of these other crazy conditions. And so, yeah, obviously people would click on the ads to get a free iPad for very little work, but very few people actually met all the conditions and and got got that free iPad. Mm -hmm. So Google started putting in place these policies to get rid of all the spammy advertisers and the bad landing page experiences. And so initially it was like a penalty bucket. So basically if you uh, would have come in at a quality score of a six, but you had a really horrible landing page, we would dock you by a bunch of quality score buckets. So you might go all the way down to a one. And so it was only a penalty. You could never, Google would never say you have a great landing page. Hence your quality score should go up to a 10. It really was just going after bad advertisers. So there was no distinction between levels of good. It was only you're either good or you're doing something really terrible. And in that case, you should be somewhat punished for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You should have a a quality score penalty. Gotcha. Um, Nowadays, uh, and actually even while I was still there, it became a factor that could be slightly positive in the scheme of things. Now, as far as Brad's breakdown, so I think for landing page, he says 39%, um, which is the same as expected CTR, also 39%, okay. and ad relevance only 22%. So um, again, what I think we're dealing with here is these are representations of visible quality score. Um, so it's, it's it's kind of a guideline for people. If you find um, the landing page experience is dropping, um, it, 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 you're going to have a lower quality score number that shows up. But how much does that really impact the CPC and the CTR that you pay? Well, it's again, it's not linear. It's just a representation. So it's harder to to uh, connect those two. So it's not like, hey, you improve your landing page experience and all of a sudden that's like a 40% boost uh, in terms of the CPC benefit that you get. I don't believe that's the case. I think what he's come out with is how do you combine the three subcomponents into the top level quality score that you see, uh, but it doesn't necessarily correlate in that exact way to the impact on costs that you see in the system. Right. Kind of an associated point I'll make, and then maybe you could elaborate. We do a lot of audits and a lot of onboarding of clients, and frequently, uh, in fact, I'd say like 80, 80%, uh, we hear from these uh, advertisers that um, they're getting poor results or, poor, or they know they're getting poor quality score, so they really want to work on their landing page, and they really want to stuff the landing page with keywords, you know, all sorts of, uh, uh, you know, relatively spammy stuff or relatively clueless stuff. And uh, their ads are horrible. So th- there's clearly a misperception out there that uh, the, the key, just, you know, I think it's, it's uh, advertisers thinking with their SEO hat on, mm-hmm. think, thinking that, uh, you know, the key to success in higher rankings is to work on the site. Yeah, and I disagree with that. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's still one of the, the least important components. Um, and if you have, again, if you have a good or a decent site, that's, that's good enough. I think a lot of this spammy behavior of stuff, stuffing keywords also comes from the days of the quality score on Bing ads being exactly that. So I remember putting ads on Bing um, and it'd be an ad for, and this is just an example now, but I'd be advertising for flowers. Uh, my keyword might be, uh, or my page might be about roses, bouquets of roses, and my keyword would be flowers, which is obviously relevant, but I would get a disapproval uh, because they were like, well, the word uh, flowers doesn't appear on your landing page. And I'm like, well, flowers and roses, kind of the same thing, right? But right. Uh, 
So why do you need me to keyword stuff it to, to say that on the page if I don't think it was that important? Now, the flip side of that, there is this whole notion of preserving the scent of the query. Mm-hmm. And that's all about uh, whatever the keyword is, you probably want to make sure that shows up in the ad text somewhere. That's why dynamic keyword insertion is a great thing to use, or you can just manually construct the ad to be talking about the same things that the keyword is about. And then as the user clicks on the ad because they, they thought it was relevant because they saw the keyword in it, now they want to see that keyword uh, reinforced, reiterated on the landing page. So it's, it's not a bad thing to have that somewhere in the headline, to have it you know, pretty visible on that page, but it's not an absolute requirement. I think Google's much more sophisticated than that, than that and they will look at what is the actual user behavior. So, um, you know, if it helps user behavior, if it helps people feel that they're on the right page by putting that text on, then by all means, go and do it. Um, but it's not like Google's just going to say, oh, well, the text appears on the page. It's still kind of a crappy user experience, but it's okay because mm-hmm. the words are on the page. Mm-hmm. They're going to measure more stuff like, well, how do people interact with the page? How long do people stay on the page? How many pages on the site do they visit? Do they seem to have been happy with that experience? Mm-hmm. Um, that matters much more. You know, I find myself in a position I, I think I'm, I'm always in, or we are always in when you're on the show, and that is we have to end the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm left wanting more, as I'm sure I speak for the listeners as well. So we'll have you on again soon, I hope. Yeah, I would love to be back anytime. Um, and so uh, one final place, if people yes. want to see a little bit more, um, I did a post on Search Engine Land, so I post for them on a monthly basis. But my last one, which people might find interesting uh, in the context of what we just discussed, is uh, I put up a little script. Um, so I do a lot of AdWords scripts, obviously, that we make available. And this one gives you a spreadsheet that has keyword level quality score, including mm. the three subcomponents that we just talked about. But it goes, so that's something anyone could get out of the system today. It's very easy to do. But what I've done is I've also added on the different ad text variations that you're running for each keyword. And so what it facilitates is you can very easily go and pick out keywords within an ad group that have below average um, ad text relevance. You can move these to new ad groups, and then you can write a better ad text just for those. And the the reason this spreadsheet is helpful is if you've already been running multiple variations, you could just look at what's the best performing uh, CTR for a specific keyword and ad text combination. And you could use that better performing CTR ad text as your basis for writing uh, the new ad group. Um, Or you could even find situations where every keyword in an ad group has below average ad text relevance, and now you don't even have to restructure. You just know you need to go and fix the ad text. Um, and, uh, and we've tried that on a couple of accounts, and it, it actually works quite well. And a lot of the, the data that the spreadsheet shows is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, it's literally, you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, these ads, we didn't pay enough attention when we wrote them. It was sort of an oversight. And this spreadsheet makes it really easy to do that for people. I'm going to go read that article now. I think a lot of people are. Yeah, and download the script. There you go. Hey, um, thank you so much, Frederick. Um, always a pleasure, but uh, this has been a special one for me. Good. Hey, well, thanks for having me, and I uh, hope to do another one soon. Great. And thank you, listeners, for hanging around with us. Come back for the next episode of PPC Rockstars.
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.